Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. And hello to you, everyone who's joining in. We are so close to wrapping up our study in the book of Mark. Yes, it's actually going to happen. Today, we're going to look at chapter 16 right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, as promised, we have made this journey together. We have marched through the Gospel of Mark. You'll remember we decided to do this after we did a study on the life of the Apostle Peter, one of my most favorite characters in the biblical narrative. And why did we step into Mark? If you'll remember, we stepped into Mark because Mark is actually Peter's secretary. And if you did the study of the life of Peter with us, Mark makes so much more sense because you can actually hear Peter's voice throughout this gospel narrative. And the approach I took as we marched through this gospel together is I wanted this study to be doable. I wanted to show you a very basic, fundamental way of studying the Word of God. It is so easily intimidating to people, to moms, 
to start. Many of you maybe have never studied the Word of God all by yourself at home. I remember when I had one and two kids, right? It was easy for me to pack everybody up. Maybe I was late to Bible study, but I was able to get there, right? But as we continued to add kids, it became more difficult, more challenging, and frankly, more impossible for me to get everybody packed up and out of the house so that I could go to Bible study. So I needed to figure out how could I do this on my own, in my own home? And this is the way that I learned. I took many of the methods that I had learned through my literature background, and I began to apply them to Bible study. And so what we did, what I endeavored to to show you in this study of the book of Mark is what it looks like to do a close read of Scripture. And that just means going verse by verse, word by word. I've endeavored to pull out some things for you to pay attention to. As we talk together every week, I'm trying to give you extra homework. I've got the study line. The study guides are available over at rachelcarmen.com. You can download those, go even deeper than we can go in our time together here on the podcast. So I'm trying to pack it all in. And remember, my objective in our time together is to inspire you to blow the dust off your Bible and open it up and dig in and dive in and dare to go deep, deep, deep into God's word. Because I believe to repeat the words of Moses, these are the words of life, the words of life. I believe they're transformative. I believe they make all the difference. And especially, might I dare to say, the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, we have the narratives on what Jesus did when he was here. And this is the whole climax of the story, right? So the entire biblical narrative, all the way, all through the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, right? Everything is pointing forward to Christ. All of the Old Testament is pointing forward. So 66 total books tell one story. The 39 books of the Old Testament, every single one of them pointing forward to Christ. Then the 27 books of the New Testament, right? The first four are the gospel narratives. And we chose, I chose for us to march through Mark. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. And in the book of Mark, we see the action-oriented servant of God. We see Jesus on the move. And this is so powerful because you and I are to become more and more like Christ. So the obvious immediate question is, what was he like? And as we dare to dig in and study the Gospels, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, right? As we study the life of Christ, what did he do? What we zeroed in on here in the book of Mark was the action-oriented servant of God. What did he do? And every time we came together for this podcast, I pulled out for you the verbs associated with what Jesus did. And the point of that has been over and over to show you, to show you through the written narrative, right, what Jesus did because we're called to be like him, which means we are not called to passivity. We are called to be active, In our homes, in our churches, in our communities, we are called to an active, servant 
oriented life. That's what we're called to. And as we see Jesus on the move, as we see him active, as we look at these verbs surrounding what he did when he is here, that, I hope, inspires you and I to action. We're not just to sit back and do nothing, right? Just rest on the laurels of our salvation, our justification. No, we are to respond with action. And you could argue today is the climax of the entire gospel of Mark, of the entire gospel story. So different scholars point to different climatic points in the gospel narratives together, right? Some would argue that the climax is happens in Bethlehem when Jesus is born, when God with flesh on is born. Remember, we know Jesus to be the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. This is who Jesus is. And the whole of the Old Testament pointed to his coming. All of it did. And maybe we can, in future podcasts, take some of that apart for the questions that some of you have. I do hope that at least sparks your curiosity, because the entire Old Testament points to Christ's coming over and over and over. The prophets, all of them point to Christ's coming, and he came. He came in the form of a child born in Bethlehem to a virgin under a star, right? And some scholars argue that that's the climax of the story. Here he is in a manger, in swaddling clothes, visited, right, by the shepherds who had been heralded by the angels. I mean, this is a magnificent story. And certainly at this time of year, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, right, All of these are the things that are in our thoughts and our minds as we look forward to that celebration. So some scholars argue that the Advent, the original Advent, the birth of the Christ child is the climax of the story. Some pull it forward. Some pull the climax forward to Calvary. And Calvary is the climax. Calvary is the stake in the ground. This is the moment for God so loved the world that he gave God as the first mover, as illustrated in Genesis 1, God spoke light into existence. That doesn't stop after creation. No, we pull that movement of God all the way forward as he pursues us. And then in Genesis 3, just three chapters in, right, we have the fall of man. So we have God, first mover, creating, speaking light into existing So we have God, Genesis 1, speaking light into existence, creating this perfect place, this Garden of Eden, placing man and woman, Adam and Eve, into that garden. And then in chapter 3, lo and behold, we have the fall of man. We have the introduction of sin, the invasion of this infectious sin into the world. And it has infected all of creation. It has infected all of our natures, right? And from that point on, we were separated from God. And we were under a curse and his wrath. And yet, and yet, through the ensuing narrative, the biblical narrative, we see God over and over and over pursuing his people over and over and over, and the ultimate gift that he gave us. And by the way, Jesus is not plan B. He was always the plan. 
the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus was always the plan. Yes, in the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system, but it was never going to work. It only rolled the sins forward. It never, ever did what the shed blood of Christ did at Calvary. And so, like I said, some scholars point to the first advent, the birth of the Christ child, as the climax of the story. Some take it a little further, and they look at Calvary, and they say, no, no, this is the climax of the story. This is sin's price paid. This at Calvary, what we looked at last time in chapter 15 of Mark, Calvary is the fulfillment of, stay tuned now, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant with his arms stretched out on Calvary, bearing your sin and mine. This is the fulfillment of John the Baptist pointing to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, singular, whole, all, the sin of the world. Arms stretched on Calvary. This is the climax, so say some scholars. I got to tell you, I think this is the climax today here in chapter 16. Our our sin debt was paid on Calvary's cross. Jesus, it is finished, paid our price, and in so doing, made a way for you and I to be reconciled, right? Because sin separated us infinitely from a holy, mighty God, because a holy, mighty God cannot be where sin is, and we are sinful, But God made a way through the blood of the perfect lamb for us to be reconciled with him. Calvary is glorious. It's the worst thing that ever happened and the best thing that ever happened together in one moment. And yet, that's not the end of the story. Jesus died on Calvary. We looked at that last week, and we have Joseph of Arimathea who asked Pilate for the body of Christ and indeed goes and buries him. And the disciples are weeping, and all of them are like, whoa, wait just a minute. What just happened? (laughs) What was that? What in the world Right? Remember, the disciples didn't think it was going to end that way. That is not at all what they signed up for. They thought that they were going to be part of a revolt and a rebellion against the Romans. That's why there were arguments on who was going to sit where. They thought this was going to be here and now, the first advent of Christ. That's what they thought this was all about. And what in the world? He's gone? He's dead? Peter denied him three times, just like Christ predicted that he would. They think it's over. They think it's over. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. 
From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Okay, so it's not over. And that's the very best news. The very best news is the grave could not hold him. So let's pick up chapter 16, verse 1. I want you to notice we have the same three women that witnessed the crucifixion. Now, this is just according to Mark. I'm not putting all of the Gospels together in our study. I am sticking with the narrative in Mark, okay? But there are three women listed as having witnessed the crucifixion. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Okay? Those three women who witnessed the crucifixion, we see them again at the burial, two of them. We have Mary Magdalene and Mary the mothers of James who actually saw where they buried Jesus's body. But then picking up in 16 verse 1, we have those three women again. This is an accidental. Don't miss this. These are eyewitnesses, these three women, okay? And it says, they came prepared. They came having bought spices to anoint his body early Sunday morning. I love that. Early Sunday morning. You will remember that according to Jewish tradition, the day before Saturday, right, would have been the Sabbath So they could not have done this on the Sabbath. But they came as early as they could, prepared to do him the honor of anointing his body. But it says, as they were coming very early in the morning, and you just got to know, I just love that as an early bird. I just love that that's part of what is included here. Very early on the first day of the week, They came, it says. But they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? I think this is so powerful because they faced an impossible circumstance. They came with their spices. They came with a purpose in mind to anoint his body But there was a pretty significant, impossible obstacle that was in their way of doing what they came to do. Here's the deal. They did what they could. And they came in spite of a known obstacle. Look, that's got to speak to somebody. Because it certainly speaks to me. Way too often, I allow a known obstacle to keep me from coming in the first place. To keep me from preparing to do what I know needs to be done. I get distracted by the obstacle. But I love this beautiful example by these women. They came anyway. 
And they came prepared to do what they knew needed to be done. Not ignorant and not in denial of the obstacle. But they came anyway. You and I ought to go anyway. And I love how upon their arrival, how upon their arrival, they notice. In verse 3, it says, who will roll the stone away? And immediately in verse 4, it says, looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. I wonder how many times you and I miss a miracle or a moment of provision or faithfulness of God himself because we shrug our shoulders and we don't show up because of some obstacle. We just give up. And yet these women dared to show up. And when it says in the Bible, they were looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they dared to go in. This was what they were going to do anyway. So they just proceeded to do what they were going to do anyway. Entering the tomb, it says, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now I'm going to interject here just for a moment. It would be better if that word were interpreted, in my opinion, and they were surprised. They were surprised because here, let's continue on into verse six. It says, he said to them, do not be amazed in the NASB. But I believe what he actually meant was don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Now, again, remember in chapters eight, nine and 10 of the gospel of Mark, Jesus foretold what was going to happen. He told them he gave them a heads up and we discussed it. They couldn't get their heads around it. They, they, they didn't get what he was saying. They did not understand, probably for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is it's not what they wanted to happen, right? That's not what they anticipated. That's not what they signed up for. They, they couldn't understand, right? But the man here in white is like, yeah, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He continues. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. In other words, let's be clear, not just any Jesus. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. I love this because the man that meets them there, right? And and this is something too. I don't miss this. They weren't left to wonder what had happened. Isn't that glorious? It's not as though the stone was just gone and it, the tomb was just empty. God provided a man dressed in white to explain to them what actually happened. And so they're shocked, right? And they're surprised. And he goes, yeah, don't be surprised. I know what you're here for. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, the guy that you witnessed. Get this. These are the same women that witnessed the crucifixion. So this man says to them, The man that you witnessed be crucified, that's who you're looking for. So just so we're on the same page, I know why you came, and I know who you're looking for. And he says to them, he is risen. 
Man, that's good news. That's good news. He is risen, he says. He's not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him, right here. Because remember, not only did these women witness the crucifixion, two of these three women also witnessed him being laid in the tomb. And this man that God provides to explain what has happened to these women, he says, yeah, look, here's where they laid him. You saw where they laid him, and and you're not mistaken, this is where they laid him. This is where they he was, but he's not here anymore. Go, he says. Here's their directive from this man in white. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. I got to tell you, there are phrases in scripture that just send a tingle down my spine. And this is one of them. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Not only was the tomb open, the stone rolled, right? Not only was there a man in white there to explain to these women when they're shocked and surprised and they cannot believe what they're seeing. Look, they couldn't believe the crucifixion in a different way than they can't believe what they're seeing now, right? And he's explaining it to them. He's risen. He's not here. Oh, yeah, this is where he was, but he's not here anymore. Now go tell. Go tell the disciples and Peter. I love that. He says, I need you to not not tell Peter because Peter's got to know. Why? Because the last time we saw Peter, he had denied Christ and the rooster crowed and it says that he went away deeply grieved. Peter was broken. Peter knew that he had blown it. Have you ever known you've blown it? Have you ever known that you've blown it? And not just you know you've blown it, but like other people knew you blew it. Right? You, like you had witnesses. And you knew God knew you blew it too. Like you didn't have to, and you did. You chose to. You blew it. That was Peter. And he went away deeply grieved. And this man right here to these women, he says, don't forget to tell Peter. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't over. This is not over. So he says, go tell his disciples and Peter's. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there, here's a promise. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went. I mean, can you imagine these women? This has been, you know, three pretty unbelievable days, right? The arrest in Gethsemane, the trial, which was not fair and honest and true, right? The crucifixion, which had to have been gruesome. And they witnessed this. They witnessed the burial of the man that they have followed, right? All this time, all these years, I mean, their head is spinning. They made it through the Sabbath, and then they came early in the morning to honor him. 
and the stones rolled away and he's not here. And there's this guy saying he's, what in the world is going on? This is when everything changes, right? And so it says, and don't miss this. It says Mary Magdalene went. And, and here we get more information tucked in here about who Mary Magdalene was. Mary Magdalene was the woman who had been set free from seven demons from Jesus. You got to believe this is a woman who got who he was. This is a woman who knew life transformation. Her life was changed. She knew torment. She knew it. She knew evil. She knew sin. She knew the insidious nature of sin. And she had been set free. And she had followed him to Calvary and watched him killed. And she had gone and watched him laid in the tomb. And she had come early on Sunday morning to anoint his body. And now she'd been told that he had risen. And it says, and it says in Mark, Mark records that she went and she reported to those who were mourning and weeping. And it says that they heard her testimony, but it says they refused to believe her. That's tough. It's tough to know what you know, what you know, and to dare to go and tell the unbelievable and to not be believed. That was the first time that they were told. The second time, two times are recorded here in the book of Mark where the disciples and the followers of Christ are told. The second one is only Barely alluded to. You can read more about it in Luke 24, 13 through 35. But it says that in verse 12 of chapter 16, that after this, Jesus appeared in a different way to two of them while they were walking along their way to in the country. Okay, this is an allusion to what Luke tells us about in his gospel on the road to Emmaus. Right? And Jesus walks with these two. He reveals himself at the very end. And at the end of that meeting with the resurrected Christ, those two to whom Jesus revealed himself in his resurrected form go all the way back to tell the disciples that they had seen the resurrected Christ. But here, Mark records that they went away and reported to the others, but. They did not believe them either. (sighs) So Mary comes and tells them, let me tell you what we just saw. We were just at the tomb, and this is what the man told us. And the tomb is empty. And they refused to believe her. And then two came from Emmaus and said, we got to tell you what just happened to us. We just broke bread with the resurrected Christ. And they were like, yeah, no, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. So now we pick up in verse 14 where it says afterward, after these two instances where different people have told the disciples and those weeping that Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. It says after this, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at table. And I love this. 
He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness and hardness of heart. So the first thing he says to them when he appears to them as his resurrected body is, guys, what in the world? He reproaches them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had been sent and who had seen him after he had risen. And then he said to them, and this is what we refer to as the great commission. And this is worthy as we wrap up today, this climax of the entire gospel story. This is worth your further meditation on. Listen to these words and dare to lean in and ask the Holy Spirit how you might apply these words to your life today and every day, right where you are, mom, right in your kitchen, facing, fixing dinner. You have no idea what you're going to make. Changing another diaper. Maybe you're driving home or to visit your parents that you need to go and visit because they are in ill health. Whatever it is you're doing, this commission is for each one of us wherever we are. And this is it. These are the words of Christ. Resurrected. This is what he said. Go. Go. And I would suggest to you that is as you go, as you are doing whatever it is, in the words of Elizabeth Elliot, I love to quote her over and over, as you are in the process of doing the next thing that needs to be done, as you're in the process, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Moms, every day preach the gospel to those little people in your charge. Preach the gospel. Declare the good news of liberty to the captives every day in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. As we read the gospel and the scriptures to each other, as we serve one another, as we challenge each other, we're to go and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, a promise. You believe you'll you'll be You'll be saved. But he who does not believe shall be condemned. Blessings and curses, right? Belief means salvation. Disbelief means condemnation. Mark continues finishing up his gospel. It says, after speaking these things, the Lord Jesus was received up into heaven and he sat down. At the right hand of God. And it says the disciples went out and they preached everywhere. They went and did what they were commissioned to do. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed their words with signs. And if you want to pick up the narrative, all four gospels are picked up then at the beginning of the book of Acts. If you actually want the exact Part one and part two of Acts, you would study the gospel of Luke because Acts and Luke are written by the same author, Luke. So, but even at the end of Mark, you could pick up in Acts one because that's where the narrative picks up in the New Testament. It is the birth of the church after Jesus has ascended into heaven to sit down at the right hand of the Father. And here's the really good news. This is where the story continues with you and with me, because there's a second advent 
arguably yet another climax to this story, and that is on the day of his sure return. And we will celebrate it, those of us who believe, but in the meantime, we are commissioned to go and tell, to go and to tell, and thought, word, and deed every day as we do the next thing. Next time when I'm with you, we're going to do a conclusion of the book of Mark. We're going to tie all of this together. We're going to chase some things that we looked at all the way through the narrative. And we are going to, again, conclude our study next time we're together. Don't forget to go over to the website, rachelcarmen.com, and pick up that PDF study guide. Study this. Dare to dig in and deep with the Word of God. Dare to be transformed by Him. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. these EPs found their way into the hands of Chris Tomlin. And so we got this email out of the blue that while he was inviting us to go on this major arena tour of the United States and at that time we were like, well, we're not even really a band. Do we tell him we're not a band? Chris Llewellyn from REM Collective shares some of his life story on The Walk, a podcast for worshippers. Join us to hear conversations and devotionals from the artists of the church. Find The Walk on lifeaudio.com, worshipleader.com, or your favorite podcast platform.